just go through a quick intro and um, then we can just talk about the three topics if you guys want to and then we'll go home and sleep. I'm not going home. To <laughs> I'm not going home either. <laughs> I've got a lot to do. Oh yeah, stay here. Okay. Oh, you sorry. got to work here still? Yeah, I've got to get ready for my study tomorrow. I haven't even read the chapter. You slacker. Confessions. Slacker. Confessions of a youth. Uh, doing your own podcast video. <laughs> 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 feel really anxious about right now because you don't know what the future holds. You don't know how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on. Well, why do you feel anxious about that? It might be because you have a desire to have absolute control mm-hmm. over your life. Yeah. And when you finally find yourself in a situation where you don't have control, that makes you anxious. Mm-hmm. And so that actually is revealing something about you and your heart that you need to deal with. Right. Welcome there today. This is Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Our goal together is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Um, today we want to continue our uh, study of the screw tape letters. Last week we looked at uh, letter four in which uh, screw tape writes to Wormwood and talks to him about how to hinder this guy in prayer. Um, this week we want to look at letters five through seven. So we're actually going to cover three letters. We're actually just going to pull one theme from each of the letters um, and talk about uh, these these various uh, things that screw tape writes to Wormwood. And such today as we talk about eventually what's happened, um, a little preview here is what's happened is World War II has broke out. And so he's going to write to him in light of that, that momentous event in the life of so many people. Uh, joining me together around the, the table today is Scott Slater, uh, family pastor here at MNBC, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor here at the church, and my name is Spencer Snow, discipleship pastor here at Monroe Missionary. So, guys, today the, the the in letter five we open up here, and what's happened is uh, World War II has broken out. It's it started. This is a, a time that is very uh, important in the history of the world. Um, and, but it's interesting that Screw Tape doesn't see war as an as great of an opportunity um, to trip up this guy as we might think. It actually, he says, is a, is a time that can actually make people think about their own mortality. And throughout the rest of these letters, we're going to see how Screw Tape advises Wormwood um, how to utilize the war um, to his advantage and such. So the first thing I want to point out here is from letter five, where Screwtape warns that war can destroy the weapon of contented worldliness. And so one of the things he talks about is war, while it can be used for our purposes, it can also be used um, to, for God's purposes. And one of the things that he says here, I'm quoting now, he says this, men are killed in places where they knew they might be killed and to which they go if they are at all of the enemy's party prepared. So he's saying in wartime, people can die. And if they're part of if they're Christians, they go prepared to die. And he says this, how much better for us if all humans died in costly nursing homes amid doctors who lie, nurses who lie, friends who lie, 
as we have trained them, promising life to the dying, encouraging the belief that sickness excuses every indulgence, and even if our workers know their job, withholding all suggestion of a priest, lest it should betray to the sick man his true condition. And how disastrous for us is the continual remembrance of death which war enforces. One of our best weapons, contented worldliness, is rendered useless. In wartime, not even a human can believe that he is going to live forever. Guys, what do you think about um, Screwtape's analysis of war, that it, it actually can be um, not simply a benefit to um, the dark side, but also it can, be, it can be used by God for good purposes, ultimately to prepare people to face death in ways that they may have not been before. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, I think we see this play out. Like when 9-11 happened, people all of a sudden had so much uncertainty of what would happen and go on. All of a sudden, churches started to get a little fuller. More of these discussions started to take place. So the reality of death hangs over the head of everybody. So it makes them think about it more so than during peaceful times. You know, that doesn't cross their mind as much. So you can definitely see how uh, something as bad as war, as scary as war, um, how God can still use that in the lives of people. I know if I was drafted and said, you're going over to war, I better make sure <laughs> I'm ready, right? I'm right. going to be thinking about that uh, most definitely. And what he's saying there in that quote, you know, is how the enemy would rather everybody just live like this peaceful life and go into the nursing home where everybody's sure. telling them, oh, you're going to be okay, or we're going to give you this medicine and you'll be fine, and where they're never really thinking about death. Mm-hmm. It's not really on their mind, or or when it does start to come up, everybody there is just kind of being, lie, kind of lying about it, you know, is, oh, yeah, you're okay, and it's never mm-hmm. really dealt with, right. you know, we or we push off our dying even to not right. to not think about it, right. let, let the doctors and nurses handle it, mm-hmm. you know, we'll mm-hmm. get away from it, so... I, mean, I was just going to say, I don't think you even need war uh, to come to reality with this. I mean, usually when a family member dies in a family, like that's people tend to be thinking about death, obviously, a lot more and asking the big questions and things like that. And so a lot of times, you know, even here as like we are pastors, like when we know of someone that's connected to our church or our extended family that passes away, that's usually when relatives and friends and coworkers are open to those conversations because they've spent their days trying to not think about death but mm. death has thrust its mm. its hand into their life correct yeah. yeah i'm not sure that it like he uses the phrase content worldliness right contented mm-hmm. uh, yeah contented worldliness but i think i guess for us it might be more of a distraction to reality uh like death is the reality Mm -hmm. like it's some it's everything that or you know every man Mm -hmm. is going to face death so it's a very coming reality and all the things uh around us are really just kind of distracting us from that so when Mm -hmm. we when we have someone close to us that dies or when we have a you know an event like 9-11 or even something like Mm -hmm. you know coronavirus COVID-19 or whatever it, it really just it does bring death back to view, but it's really, it just brings us to reality. Instead of being distracted, suddenly there's this clarity of, mm-hmm. oh man, like we have impending death here. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, one of the things that we've done in our society, particularly, is we've put death away from us. Yeah. In the past, you had to bring the body of your deceased relative into the home, probably. It may even be in your, your own literal house. Mm. Um, yeah, we, before the podcast, we were talking about, you know, cemeteries. Uh, we were talking about, you know, but the, yeah. it used to be by the church. Right. So every Sunday when you went to church, you were reminded of the saints, perhaps some of your own family members, maybe even some of your children mm. or parents who died, and you were reminded of mortality. Yeah. What we've done as a society um, through various means is put death as far away from us and make it as hidden and mm. comfortable to us as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, one of the ways that that can happen is we, we put old people away in places that we don't have to see them. Mm. And what you can have is you can have churches where it's just full of young millennials and they don't have any, they don't know how, how to age well and they don't know how to die well because they've, they don't come into contact with old Christians. Mm. And so likewise, um, and as a society as a whole, we don't know how to deal with death. Even our, our verbiage and our language we use, people yeah. pass passed away, on. they yeah. passed on or they yeah. passed away. Um, and and, and the, the way that we, you know, we hear tragedies that happen or, or you know, I mean, sometimes we, like Robin Williams, the stuff comes up recently, uh, right, about his, his, uh, his suicide, his death. And in just the way in which um, people talk about what happened in the past and everything, it's just very sanitized. Mm -hmm. And it's just important for us to be honest about the hurt and the reality that death is and that sickness is. And like you said, Matt, coronavirus, one of the things that's very interesting, by the way, as a side note about what's seeing that is how people react. We do see people really are afraid of death. Mm-hmm by how the yeah. measures they're willing to take sure. um, because of, to get it. of what, yeah. the, what, what are perceived to be dangers. Yeah. And so we do see there is this, this reality that people are, that, that we can see they're running away from at some level. And, and it's a good opportunity for us to be reminded of, you know, ultimately, you are going to have to face this. Yeah. Um, and so why not come to Christ who's already defeated it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think this is a very powerful um, thing. We can become contented and comfortable and distracted. I mean, why think about death whenever you can watch Netflix? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I, I mean, so, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, Screwtape warns that war can destroy the weapon of contented worldliness. Secondly, Screwtape encourages in letter six, he encourages Wormwood to make the patient worried about the future. So, one of the things he says here, um, <clears throat> he says, he points out he could possibly be called up and be drafted into military service. He says, eventually, we want him to be in the maximum uncertainty so that his mind will be filled with con- contradictory pictures of the future, every one of which arouses hope or fear. There is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. He wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. So the idea is is to keep them consistently focused upon the future. I mean, somewhere I think we read about this in Matthew chapter 6, where yeah. Jesus says, don't be concerned about the future. Mm-hmm. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, Satan wants them, and the, the forces of darkness, uh, screw tape here is saying, we want them to be worried about all the uncertainty of the future. Do we face that today? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In what ways? I know people who don't want to have kids because of uncertainty of the future. 
Why would I bring a kid into this world and what they're going to experience and have to have to go through, you know, and these different things? And regardless of what the Bible says about having kids and having a family and the future, like we talked about, no, it's what they're seeing here and now. And I don't see much hope for the future. Just this being scared. I mean, anxiety and depression is so prevalent everywhere. And it's oftentimes fears of what can happen or fears of what's going to happen or sometimes it's a present reality of something they're going through and what that mm. what that might mean. I'm not trying to minimize that, but it's absolutely everywhere it seems. Right now everybody's what's going to happen in November. Yeah. And what does that mean? What are the repercussions after? Regardless of who wins the presidency, you know, what's going to happen then after that? There's there's great fear amongst amongst all kinds of people uh, with that, you know, and, and we we take it even to extremes, right? Like he said, the different scenarios, but all the different scenarios. So there's just mm-hmm. all this uncertainty and <clears throat> we get that thrown at us constantly. You know, if, if, if Trump wins the presidency, it's probably gonna be civil war. If, if Joe Biden wins the presidency, um, probably going to be abortion clinics on every corner and they're going to outlaw guns. They're going to, they're actually the police are going to come take all your guns away. Like you hear all these things in there, all these huge extremes on the far ends of it. And it, it generates a ton mm-hmm. of fear yeah. and a ton of uncertainty. So people have all these things in their mind and it's just, it's really a trying thing right. and a difficult thing to navigate. Honestly, fear is a powerful motivator. Um, that's why it's used in politics. Yeah, for sure. On both sides, mm-hmm. you use fear. Yeah. Um, there was a famous uh, political ad, I think it was a long time ago in the 1964 election between Lyndon Johnson and Barry Goldwater, and Johnson played this ad, and what it was was a nuclear bomb going off. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Right? So if Barry Goldwater gets elected, nuclear bomb, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that was the message, right? So I'm yeah. just, point is, is right? And that was a very real fear during the Cold War period. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. one example yeah. of how it can be utilized and the same thing can happen to us in politics or with church or with, we see that with school, mm-hmm. fear, uncertainty, yeah, um, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I think in a different way, though, uh, like always being always having your mind thinking and processing through like what can happen in the future. Yeah. I think what you lose is a mindfulness of the presence. And I think that could also lead to like idleness of not doing anything. Mm -hmm. So almost like a analysis paralysis kind of thing, which I know I suffer from sometimes. (laughs) Right. But like, I really think some people are stuck in that. And I think this might be some of what tape is wanting for his patient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If he can get them idle, then they're not going to do anything. Right, and they're not going to do. They're not going to try to seek after anything godly. Exactly. Yeah, we got to be careful, right? Because Scripture doesn't say to not prepare for things. Sure, you know, just deal with the day. Don't even think about tomorrow. Don't yeah. even plan for it. We don't. We don't get that in Scripture. You're supposed to be wise and to think about that yeah. stuff and even be praying about those things. So we're not. We're not advocating that, and we're not. Right. right. We're not saying that. Um, but if it but you can't let you. it consume you, <laughs> yeah. right? I, I can't let it consume me. And and a lot of people let this consume them, just about everything. I mean, whether it be illness, war, Mm -hmm. all these different types of things, financial situations, education, all these things uh, can consume people. And I I was sick right before I came here, um, 
I got meningitis. And so I was really sick. I was in the hospital and stuff. And when I finally got out of the hospital, Amanda and I and the kids lived with my parents at the time because we had sold our house and we didn't have another house. We were looking for a house. And uh, I remember days in the basement. I couldn't have lights on and stuff. It was just too much Mm. for my head. And so I would lay in the basement on the couch. And I just remember these feelings sweeping over me Mm. horribly during that time. You know, I think that's when when the enemy attacks is you're you're weak, you know, not yeah. feeling it, and just these thoughts of uncertainty mm. just crashing over me. Oh, I mean, I'm talking. It felt debilitating. Mm, it right. really did. And so, um, I can sympathize to a little bit. I think with people who experience that stuff because I I went through that just for um, a little bit, uh, but it's just a dangerous place to to stay and to be, yeah. and it's. Um, it's, I don't. I don't believe that's where where God wants us and no. wants us to stay at because it. I mean, it makes you just want to lay on the couch, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, keep my eyes closed and put a pillow over my head and hope nothing yep. happens. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, what's the solution to that? I think knowing the truth of God's word, and I, I found that to be frustrating at times for people as you counsel them who are struggling with that because you know um, they they want a quicker solution. And it's hard to do that. Uh, I, sometimes it's medical, and I don't want to minimize that at all. Sometimes it is medical, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes it's spiritual. And a lot mo- spiritual things don't always happen at the click of a finger. Mm-hmm. It, it takes time of understanding the truth. And so, what I would say is, if 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 you're someone who struggles with that of worrying about the future and worrying about all these things, do not separate yourself from your church family, number one, which seems to be the first thing people do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Do not Isolation. separate yourself. Do not isolate yourself. Yep. Be Force yourself to be at church, to be under the word of God being preached, of songs being sung. Yep. Force yourself to be in situations where you're going to be with people who are not as anxious as you mm-hmm. and yeah. worried. Yep. Um, and be willing to listen to them. And hopefully that you have people in your life who will listen to you, who won't just push you off as a, a freak who's always scared of things. I don't No, You don't need them right. in your life either. People who will listen to you, but then also give you good, wise counsel mm-hmm. uh, to help you. Yeah. There's a lot of good books out there. Um, we just purchased some actually that mm-hmm. are for sale here on ang- yeah. anxiety. Was um, it the Ed Welsh one? Yeah, there's one out there yeah. by Ed Welsh. Yeah. It just, it, it, it's a process and know that and know that you struggle with that. Seek, seek the Lord in those things. Um, and, Hope and pray that he he gets you out of that. Mm-hmm. And for some, he does. For others, it seems to be a longer process. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think. <clears throat> I mean, Spencer, you, you asked. I mean, what's what's the opposite of that? How do we solve that? I mean, I think sometimes we stop short uh, of what the true problem is when we feel anxiety about the future, mm-hmm. um, and we think that oh, I am struggling with anxiety and we're treating anxiety like it's a thing mm-hmm. um, but it's not a thing it's a result um, of something else and uh, something that you should try to do that's really hard to do if you disengage from a helpful community like we've already talked about like your church or your family is you need to first of all ask yourself why do I feel this way mm-hmm. why am I so anxious about the future and what I think is coming or what I don't know is coming mm-hmm. Like, for example, you feel really anxious about right now 
because you don't know what the future holds. You don't know how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on. Well, why do you feel anxious about that? It might be because you have a desire to have absolute control yeah. mm-hmm. over your life. Yeah. And when you finally find yourself in a situation where you don't have control, that makes you anxious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that actually is revealing something about you and your heart yep. that you need to deal with. Right. That you want control, but we learn very clearly in Scripture that we do not have complete control mm-hmm. over our lives. Yeah. Right. There's someone else who does. Um, and so that's just, that's why I'm saying is that you need to try to go down deeper yeah. and f- ask those questions. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do just by yourself. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Um, and that's why you need a good church family, a good solid couple close friendships of godly people mm-hmm. that you trust that you love that and that love you that are willing to ask those hard questions i think sometimes we're we're most comfortable around people that affirm the way we're feeling even if the way we're feeling is a bad way to feel mm-hmm. um but sometimes what you need the most is people that challenge the way you mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. i don't know if that makes sense yeah no it yeah. does remember for me one of the times uh I got anxious when we first had our when our first kid was born, and we'd place the place him in the crib. Any noise was choking. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're choking. And you put in your ear up to their stomach. Like, I think they're breathing. Yeah, they're breathing. Okay, and go back to bed. And like, it would get exhausting mm-hmm. to where at some point it's like Tim, you got to stop going in there all the time and thinking something and sleep mm-hmm. and rest. And but you would read books about. If you put a blanket in there with them, they're going to die. They're going to hang themselves on the crib. That's what's going to happen. If you yeah. got a bumper pad, they're probably going to choke on it somehow. It's going to get in their mouth. Don't put the teddy bear in there. Like all these books say these things, mm-hmm. and you can get so consumed by it. And then when you actually start to like look at statistics, you know, and actually use some brain intellectual thoughts and see, well, it's like a very low percentage that this ever happens to, but man, that book really makes it seem like it happens 50% of the time if this happens. And I think uh, we're in a state of fear just with all the information that comes our way, that sometimes that fear could be alleviated with a little uh, research, with a little searching things out, you know, just... Um, in, a, in a lot of different things. Right. I mean, cancer is a scary thing, and you could be consumed by that if you just thought, I think I'm going to get cancer yeah. all the time. And statistics, if you look, are, there's a lot of cancer around. But I can't just sit here and be fearful of that constantly. I mean, I can watch what I eat and not smoke and not try to do things that they say can cause cancer, and that's wise. That's a wise thing to do, but to be debilitated by the fact that I might get cancer or I might get Alzheimer's. You gotta. I, I just think some research and some effort sometimes can help us out of those things mm-hmm. yeah. as well. Um, and sometimes people just aren't willing willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Some people like, I think, to be scared. Mm-hmm. There's and even sometimes like you got to be careful too because sometimes the research and the trying to get more. It's just the sheer influx of mm-hmm. information. Like I, you use the example of like a new parent or something like that. Like I. I am not envious of new moms, like when it's their first kid, because that happens to almost every one of them mm-hmm. that I know. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's entirely their fault. But, I mean, people are coming at them from every direction with every opinion mm-hmm. right. about how to best care for your child. And all you want is to be a good mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you're trying to listen to everyone, mm-hmm. but maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah. You're trying to listen to everyone, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it, it's just a difficult thing to to learn how to mm. not 
actually take in information. You know, yeah. uh, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a balance. You know, it can be caused by so many different things. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and feelings. One of the things that's comforting is to be reminded that we are not our feelings, mm-hmm. and sometimes we can feel like we're in bondage to them. And um, instead, um, to go back to the scriptures mm-hmm. and to understand what truth is that tells yeah. me who I am. My feelings can be symptoms of a problem, but they don't define who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, to then try to anchor ourselves back upon truth. Um, is very is very important. Jesus told us in Matthew six, twenty five. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And eventually, he drives them back to their Father in heaven, um, and and really back to the solution. The solution is to drive them back to the gospel. Yeah. yeah. To God the Father is your God in Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's a big difference, I think, between saying God has a plan and actually believing that God has a plan. I would guess most people, you know, you go to them in the church, do you believe God has a plan? Yeah. But then you see how that plays out in their life, and you might question whether they really believe that. And that I know that was big in my life of really accepting and believing wholeheartedly that God has a plan and it's a perfect plan, and it's a good plan. And my job in the plan is to be faithful to the things he calls me to. And so it's not just to be like a brain-dead person just wandering around and saying, God has a plan, so if I fall off this cliff and live, that was his plan. No, it's not that. I avoid the cliff, right, because he's given me a brain. Mm-hmm. But I'm, faith, I'm trying to use wisdom, and I'm trying to seek after him, and I trust that he has a plan. If I didn't believe that, I don't think I could have kids because I would be scared to death for them all the time. There's just, I mean, I mean, the school shooting things were so huge not too long ago that every day I would think, I wonder if that will happen today at my kid's school. You know, I, it, the way it sounds, the percentages are high that it's going to happen. That's the way I would feel. Um, but I would be brought back to, God's in control of everything here. And even if it did happen at the school, it doesn't mess up God's plan. And I find great comfort in that. And people might say, well, that's dumb. Cause what if, what if your child died there? I know that would be, that would be hard. I, I imagine it'd be devastating mm-hmm. on me. And a part of you probably never recovers from that. Uh, but it still, I hope would not have me doubt for a second that God has a plan and that he's a good father mm-hmm. and a loving father, even mm-hmm. in the midst of that. Um, and that's not what people want to hear all the time. You know, like, what's the solution to my anxiety? God has a plan. Okay. What do you mean? (laughs) What's that plan mean? Well, I don't know. I don't know what it holds out. I know the end game. I know that we're victorious in Christ. I know these things, but I don't know what it means for your life. Personally, you know, they don't find comfort in that, but I think there is comfort in that when you really get a grasp on it. Yeah. And again, that's the importance of knowing his word and right. knowing doctrine and theology and being able to rest on it. Yeah, I think another facet of this conversation when the idea of getting this patient to worry about the future, I think, Matt, you you alluded to this earlier when you, uh, I think, mentioned that you're so paralyzed by fear of the future that you don't actually ever do anything. Yeah. You know, it's just the reality, like I know, like students in our youth group who are 
paralyzed and don't know what decision to make. They're about mm-hmm. to graduate high school. Yeah. They don't know what to do. They don't know what the right decision is. They're, they're, I think, genuinely terrified of making the wrong choice yeah. because they feel like they've been kind of taught if you don't make the right choice, you're going to screw up your life. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, you, you, you're going to miss your calling, you yeah. know, and, um, and I think that just puts so much pressure on them when, yeah. and we ask ourselves the question, like, what's God's will for my life? Well, God's, God's will isn't just for your whole life. God's will mm-hmm. is for today too. Yeah. And he has communicated things that like you should probably do today. Yeah. And like live holy and blameless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, stuff. Yeah. Like that. I mean, there's, there's things I just got done in a, a lesson in James of, you know, people making plans about the future, but not including God yeah. in their plans yeah. for the future and thinking about the idea of there are daily things that you can do that are clearly communicated as yeah. God's will yeah. that you can focus on. And I think a lot of times if people would do that, they would find that, the future will take care of itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you don't want to be scared into inactivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Fear can definitely cripple us and, um, and make us, make us, um, so unable to do anything. Um, read this real quick from that, that section. He says, your patient will of course have picked up the notion that he must submit with patience to the enemy's will. What the enemy means by this course talk about god uh is primarily that he should accept with patience the tribulation which has actually been dealt out to him the present anxiety and suspense it is about this that he is to say thy will be done and for the daily task of bearing this that the daily bread will be provided it is your business to see that the patient never thinks of the present fear as his appointed cross but only of the things he is afraid of let him regard them as his crosses. Let him forget that since they are incompatible, they cannot all happen to him. And let him try to practice fortitude and patience to them all in advance. So one of the things he's talking about is the fact that one of the things that can happen too, right, is we can become crippled in looking at the future about things that not all could possibly happen, right? So like in, in November, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump can't be elected. Right. So I mean, so. right. That's impossible. That's <laughs> really impossible. So to be, to be, if you're concerned about both options right now and you're obsessing about those things, um, those are irrational. Like both can't happen. And so instead of just asking God for th- your strength for today, you're obsessing about things that you don't even know could happen. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know, maybe potentially long term, the economy's in two years, the economy's going to finally collapse and I'm going to lose my job. Well, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. It could or it could not. And so the point is, is we don't know what the future holds. Um, but as we've been taught before, we know who holds the future. <laughs> so, <laughs> is that on that greeting card right there? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's on that greeting card right there. So, all right. Lastly, <clears throat> screw tape in, in letter seven encourages Wormwood to make this man an extremist in anything but Christianity. In letter seven, because remember the war has started, and so he's trying to say, I want you to make him, um, I want you to, whether or not to make him a pacifist or an ardent uh, patriot. He, he says this, he says, all extremes except extreme devotion to the enemy are to be encouraged. And then eventually he says this um, at the end, where am I at here? Okay. He's talking about whether or not you should make him a pacifist, so against the war, or an ardent patriot, which is just so um, 
doggedly um, supportive of the war. He says this, whichever he adopts, your main task will be the same. Let him begin by treating the patriotism or the pacifism as a part of his religion. Then let him, under the influence of partisan spirit, come to regard it as the most important part. Then quietly and gradually nurse him onto the stage at which the religion becomes merely part of, quote, the cause, in which Christianity is valued chiefly because of the excellent arguments it can produce in favor of the British war effort or of pacifism. The attitude which you want to guard against is that in which temporal affairs are treated primarily as material for obedience. Once you have made the world an end and faith a means, you have almost won your man, and it makes very little difference what kind of worldly end he is pursuing. Provided that meetings, pamphlets, policies, movements, causes, and crusades matter more to him than prayers and sacraments and charity, he is ours. And the more religious on those terms, the more securely ours. So he's talking about the fact that you want to make him extremely devoted either to the war effort or against it. In our situation today, we could think, make him an ardent Republican or an ardent Democrat and make sure that whatever partisan divide he's on, if he still is a Christian, make sure his Christianity becomes less important and the cause of that partisan party more important so that he identifies his Christianity more with the cause and and that becomes his new real religion. Is that a problem in our current situation? No, I don't think no. so. I, mean, I've, I haven't seen this at all. No, yeah. I don't know. All right, this let's move on. Let's guys. move on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's some that I think, I mean, would, you know, whatever side of the aisle you're on, they would look at a person that would identify as a different political affiliation and genuinely question whether or not they were a Christian. Um, and just say things like, I don't know how you could be a Christian and vote for that person. Mm. I, don't, I remember that was huge during uh, the the last presidential election. Right. Like, yeah. At least where I was, that was going on. It's like, I don't know how you could be a Christian and vote for this mm-hmm. or not vote for this. Right. Um, and, uh, and the thing that you see people being most vocal on, um, like on social media, which you probably wouldn't know about because you're not on social media, but mm. the things that people oh. tend to... All right, I'll sign your Bibles later on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <no problem. laughs> but the thing they, that people tend to be most vocal on are the things that political parties are right. most affiliated with being in support or against. Sure. Um, but you won't really hear them saying much anything else about religion or faith or God apart from this political agenda that they have for this thing. Um, You just don't see it. And so like, there's not really a general interest in God. Like you said here, there's no, you know, be an extremist in anything but Christianity, Mm -hmm. you know? And so pretty much all their thoughts of Christianity are focused on this one little aspect. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like political, um, uh, part of the political, whatever a party's platform it can, if we're not careful, slip into becoming part of our religion, can't it? Mm-hmm. And it's not wrong for you to support a party platform, but mm-hmm. that's not your religion, right. right? Yeah. I mean, I was going to take this out of the politics for a little bit because I, I think I can see people get lost in, let's say, caring for the homeless, which is a good thing. And Scripture would speak to that, to take care of the needy, but to where maybe a church starts to do that, 
and they get lost in that, where that is their central focus all the time, not the gospel anymore. And that, you know, that's all that they're thinking about. And they use their faith kind of to push that agenda that everybody should care for the homeless as their number one thing or, or feeding the hungry or to stop abortion. Like we would say that'd be a good thing to stop abortion. But where, you know, let's not have Sunday service. Let's go picket the abortion clinic today. Okay, I seem to be getting out of line, right? A little as a church, is that okay? And they can just get lost in that where they go to the extreme end of that, and that is their focus, and that becomes their holiness, that becomes their righteousness, is that we care for the homeless. We fought abortion. You know, we've done this and we've done that, which are, which I think as Christians, those things we would say, amen, those are good things to, to be a part of and to, to fight mm-hmm. and, or whatever. Uh, but it goes to this extreme where it's not you're extreme in your faith. You're now extreme in this mm-hmm. in this action. So mm-hmm. just kind of taking it a little bit away from the political world, uh, where I, where it can come more at home here. I mean, we see it in other areas too, where a certain ministry within the church becomes very important to a person. But then it becomes the most important thing to them, and it's like, well, this isn't what's best for the church. I'm not worried about that. This ministry is mine over here, and this is what should be most important to the church. It's this ministry because it's most important to me, and blah 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 blah. And really lost sight, right? We've really lost sight now of what's of what's right. important, and we've we've took an extreme to a place it shouldn't be. One of the things he says is that Christianity becomes valued. Be chiefly because of the excellent arguments it can produce in favor of one policy or the other. So Christianity, whether the, rather than being the thing I believe in, it becomes a means to advance my social program or political program or whatever other yeah, program. Uh, it's amazing. Like right now with, with social justice stuff that's going on, you have Christians on both sides of the aisle at both extremes arguing for Christian reasons why why they are there, right? So we kind of see that play out of what you're mm-hmm. saying. They they take some of Scripture and they say this, and that's why we're here. And then the other side's like, well, that's weird. I take this Scripture, and that's why I'm here. And it's, who's right? Because uh, you guys are standing opposite the mm. aisle, far apart, and you're wanting to kill each other. So who's right here? And I would say in that case, probably neither of them are right. They're using scripture wrong, right? They're not, they're not using it how it's supposed to be used. So I think what you're saying yeah, is right. Yeah, no, it becomes a means to a, to a bigger end. And, and then at the very end, he says this. He says, the attitude you want to guard against is that in which temporal affairs are treated primarily as material for obedience. And, and he continues, he kind of clarifies what he means by that. Once you have made the world an end and faith a means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that can be scary is that in all of these other things, Christianity focuses upon the next world. Mm-hmm. All these other things are talking about this world. And if you're training, if you're, if you're focused entirely upon this world and Christianity simply is part of a means by which you uh, live or or get the thumbs up from everybody else in this world, then you've lost the whole point. Mm-hmm. Christianity is about the next world, and and this this temporary world is, as he says, mm-hmm. primarily as material for obedience, is 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 a place for us to obey our Father rather than the end goal. Um, that it's can, really a fine line, right? And that's what we've seen all throughout yeah. the Screw Tape letters is. Screw tape and Wormwood trying to manipulate the line, 
Yeah. Right? Let's push them over the line. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a it's not necessarily a bad thing to say this war is good or this war is bad, sure. but let's push them right. to the far extreme. Not, right. Don't have them stay in the middle there trying right. to figure it out with charity and with respect for right. each other. Right. Now let's push them over to the end. And, and the enemy, in this case I'm meaning Satan, does a good job to, to do that to us in things that Scripture commands of us. Like I said, the homeless and trying to care for them mm-hmm. or the orphan or the needy. Like right. can, you can get lost in those things that are good things, but you just, they're not the job of the church, they're not the job of the church. Like we, it's okay to help with them and you, sure. and you should, but that's not the job of the church. Right. Right. The church has been given the keys to the kingdom. It says in scripture. Um, so that's our focus is yep. the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. not man's kingdom here and right. making it better. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Anything else? All right. Well, I think I'm good here. If you guys are good. I guess. I guess so. I mean, we're all sinners. <laughs> What's our plans with screw tape? Thanks, man. <laughs> What's really our plans with screw tape letters? Spencer, do you have one? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but like this time we did three letters. Are you planning yeah. on to keep skipping through? Because I know there's a lot yeah, of chapters. We may, um, we may, we may uh, skip through. We may pick up one or here, there, just mm-hmm. depending on these. These were all about the war. Yep. And so as I, I think eventually the next one also maybe talks about the war as well, I just saw. But, do you want to um, talk about our thoughts that we've talked about today a little bit upcoming? Scott? Yeah, one of the things that we've thought about, just in terms, I mean, there's what thirty something chapters in the screw tape letters. I haven't yeah, counted them all. Thirty-one, I think. Um, but uh, is just trying uh, to break up uh, the screw tape letters a little bit to have uh, a series or a sub-series focusing on uh, issues that we might experience in marriage or in the family in terms of parenting, and so. What we're hoping to do, I think, sometime soon is to start having some episodes intermittent uh, that might deal with issues related to marriage or raising kids and some of the particular challenges we face there. And so, you know, you talked so, about maybe having people writing questions concerning that. Yeah. So, I mean, what we're, we're hoping to do is cover some foundational things first of just gen- in general, uh, how we should view parenting, how we should view marriage and how that works for a Christian. But there's, when we sat down to write down what would be some good topics to talk about or to think about uh, for marriage or parenting, it, I mean, the list is literally as long as you could could possibly make it. I mean, there's so many different situations that could come up. So it's it's almost impossible for us to determine which would be more helpful to who. So if somebody has specific questions or challenges or whatever, it could be in your marriage, it could be in a friend's marriage or your parenting or a, another person you know's parenting. Like, we don't have to say who submitted what question or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, we really want to hear that because we want to be helpful. We want to be practical. We want to bring you to the Word and and give people helpful, sound advice from Scripture. So, uh, and just us as parents and married men to talk about that and what that looks like for us. So, if you have specific questions, make sure you email them to Spencer. Oh, Wow. You're actually encouraging people to do that. Yeah. That's good. What's your email again? Snow at mmbconline.org. <laughs> good job, man. Thank you. Yeah, I finally got it. I finally got it. So, all right. Well, very good. Thank you, brother. Um, we look forward to doing that. Look forward to hearing from you and your questions and thoughts um, about that. And uh, 
hopefully it'll be a good good series for us as we go forward on it. Okay, thank you so much for listening to us, guys. We hope it's been beneficial to you, and uh, we hope you have a good rest of your day. Take care. God bless. God bless.